You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, let's get into some news. We'll get into uh, camp. We'll get into, I mean, the, the latest news is the Stars and Canucks having a pause because of COVID reasons. Um, the Stars are going to have their first few games delayed, so that's a bigger news. But it sounds like the Canucks camp is already um, going to commence again tomorrow. So it's just like a one-day layoff like yeah even in the tweet that whoever sent it out said i think vancouver released it obviously it was like what was the wording it was like extreme extreme caution so okay it was like they weren't too concerned about it it sounded like they're just doing it to be extra careful because when the canucks news came out you were freaking out dude (laughs) you texted me and you're like if the season doesn't if this doesn't happen you might consider you know i'm gonna kill myself if there's no hockey soon to put it (laughs) plainly that's all I have left. It's going to happen soon. I mean, the reason why I know is look at all these other leagues. They're doing it. So there's no reason why the NHL can't do it. Thank you oh. for talking me off a ledge. Anytime, anytime. Okay. So waiver wire today, or was it yesterday? Regard, you know, it was today, right? So yeah, it was uh, today. Domingue gets sent, sent down. Petrovic gets sent down. Brendan Frace, Buddy Robinson, and Justin Kirkland. No surprises there across the board except for maybe Deming because as far as the taxi squad don't you have to have three goalies yeah the the one I was surprised about Deming and I was kind of a little surprised that Ronaldo wasn't sent down oh you would be you shouldn't be like I shouldn't be be. but I (laughs) exactly I shouldn't be but you know like I I kind of expected him like I don't know I just don't see the point of having Buddy Robinson and Zach Ronaldo and uh, Brett Ritchie on your team but I was just a little surprised that he wasn't on his way down, but whatever. Well, they'll keep him around, and the PTO is now oh, yeah. official, right? Yeah. Brett Ritchie is the official PTO, the official mystery PTO. Yeah. So where does that put us as, as far as forwards? We're, we're looking at, what, 15? But, like, aren't 15 going to stay on the team? I don't think Ronaldo will be getting sent down. He'll be, well, he'll he'll be, be on, on the, the taxi, taxi squad. squad for sure. Yeah. Like, who, like, okay, let's, I'm just trying to do the quick math. Taxi squad, you got to think that Ronaldo, obviously, who else? Um, I think like somebody like Godden might be. And then maybe if Brett Ritchie, maybe he's the guy. Philip? Of, uh, they'll, probably want, they'll probably want Philip playing games, but it's going to be a while till the AHL gets going. Yeah, right? like I, again, I would choose, I'd rather have Godden in on the taxi squad than Phillips, just because like you said, I want Phillips playing games. So I would say... Yellison or Stone is the is the last guy in the taxi squad there, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them sign Richie now that he's still in camp. Would you? No, probably. I don't know. You know, Brad. 
Yeah. And the other one is like, maybe since the WHL doesn't have anything solid yet, maybe you see Connor Zeri, uh, stick on the taxi squad for a little bit just to practice with the NHL team until, until the Western hockey league gets going. I don't know. I, I doubt he'll play, but I mean, if he's no, got he, nothing he, else to do, maybe they'll just, yeah. have, you know, have him in camp just, or with the guys practicing and stuff. He won't play, but Brad loves bringing these young guys up and getting them involved in camps really early, which I don't mind. It makes yeah, sense. I don't, I don't mind that. So by the time this pod drops, we're looking at, we're four days away from, from game one opening night opening night so <laughs> this uh this roster is going to start to shape up pretty quick i would imagine um i don't think there's really any question marks other than what will the lines look like so let's get into that because we've had some line updates this weekend and i'm kind of digging both of these um i you know i cautioned a couple i think i cautioned on the last podcast of being you know, too excited about giving Simone a top six role right off the right off the hop. I think you have guys there. Like if Mond is going to drop down, you got to be kidding me. Like, Mond yeah, right, exactly. And, and you were cautioning on like the cool it with the like, let's try every goddamn conceivable combination known to man here. It's like, yeah. I mean, we have to have some kind of. There's got to be a limit on how many times we sh- we fuck with the lines. Yeah, but based on the consistency that we have seen throughout camp, it's going to be safe to assume that. Your top line going forward to start the season will be Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm, and somebody else. Yeah, because the two constants we've seen, Kachuk, Lindholm, Gaudreau, Monahan together. Yeah, and throughout that, the Kachuk, Lindholm has been the first line. So there, I hope there's strategy behind this as far as Ward's concerned with um, protecting Johnny and Monty as far as the defensive zone goes, give them yeah. more offensive starts. And hey, isn't that what your second line? That's how you kind of do the matchup game. So now the other notable consistent thing, right? Has Backlund as a third line center on this team currently. Yeah. And I guess if they're committing to Lindholm as their as your top center, that's that's the way it shakes out. Now, dating back to most of last season, basically until the second half, um, and even beyond that, you and I have always been hard advocates for um, moving Backlund down to the third line center, just due to it open with if Backlund's not your third line center, then your whole roster is kind of or your forward group is all kind of mishmashed, mishmangled. You can't really get the best combo combos you want, whether it's Backland or Monty. One of those guys has to be third line center. I don't think you can roll with him as one, two anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it even goes beyond like, okay, if Monahan and Backland are your one, two, you better have a good three. And they've never really had a good three. Yeah. Like Jankowski, then it was Bennett. I mean, I think Derek Ryan can maybe do it, but they, but that's still pushing it. Um, so I think this is finally <laughs> what the teams are needing to do for a while. And I don't think it's a sled on back then, right? Like you saw how well he played down the stretch last year. I don't think it's like, Oh, he sucks. So he should be on the third line, but it just makes your team so much stronger down the middle. Yeah. So, so far on this Chucky Lindholm pairing, we've seen Levo, we've seen Simone, we've seen Mangiapane and now it's Dubé. Um, out of those four, what do you like the most Keeping in mind with Dubé at with Dubé on the top line now they have Monge with Johnny and Monty so I want to hear your, your opinions on both those. 
Well, I like the fact, I, again, I like the Manjipani in the top six. I think that's a non, non-negotiable, even though I think they do like the Backlund Manjipani pairing. I still would prefer, just if we're talking about okay, opening night, what we're going to see, I still would like to see them reunite the Kachuk Lindholm Manjipani trio just because they were so goddamn good last year. Their skill sets mesh so well. That was the best the Flames top line looked all year last year. And I mean, if this is your strategy, you're 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 putting Lindholm at center, you're having Kachuk on his wing, you're obviously kind of subscribing to the notion that you want a top line that can play in all three zones, that can drive play, you can start them wherever you want. Manji Pani is the best five on five player this team had last year. I think he just fits better with those two guys. And like honestly, I think Dubay would actually work really well with Kadrome Monahan too. Okay. So I think you just flip those two guys, I'd be super happy. Okay, because I, I kind of like the way they are now. I almost feel like, because you see it so often, you've seen it so many times with Sam Bennett, when you have guys that are not, you know, superstar caliber play with superstars, it's like, it, I think it's a mental thing more than anything. They just don't seem to be able to make it work. Um, I don't know why that is. Most likely they're probably overthinking and they're trying to set up Johnny. Like, like how many times can you remember... How many pairings did we used to try with Jerome McGinley, right? Oh, dude. you have like everybody in the multiverse got their chance playing with him and they all would just try and f- pass to him in every single situation. It was the easiest thing to defend. It was so obvious what everybody's trying to do. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's kind of like that in a sense where when Bennett gets up with those guys, like he's lost, he's trying to be too pretty. It's just, just keep it simple. Um, I'm maybe... And, and sure, I like, let's see. Let's give him a shot. Let's see what Dubé looks like with those two, with Johnny and Monty. But I almost feel like Johnny and Monty and Monge might actually be the solution for who needs to play with Johnny and Monty that can elevate their game. Um, and I don't know how you think about this because if you look at the analytics, you know, Monge, like you said, he's the best five on five player as of last season. Um, would he not? elevate their game in the defensive end or would is or would it not have an impact because he's not a centerman well i think it would help for sure but i I, it's just for me it's like okay well you're trying to squeeze as much juice out of this uh, this top six as possible as as possible right so it's like okay well how do we maximize these players strengths it's like you do you have a guy who's great in his own end in manjupani like, are you really going to kind of neuter his five-on-five play driving with two guys who aren't very good in their, their own zone? I think that's the balance you're probably trying to look at there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, to me, it's like pairing Gaudreau with a guy like, if, if you if you had Gaudreau on Backlund and Mangiapane's wing, it's like, well, what does that, the purpose that line would serve would to play a lot in the defensive zone. And then you've got this guy who's maybe not as good in his own zone. It's just, it, it seems like, I don't think your service, you're, you're not getting as much out of Manjapani possibly right. if you're going to play him with those two guys because then, like, well, he's the only guy who can play defense on that line. And maybe right. that's a good thing. But just yeah. if you, you, I just see that, that Lindholm, Kachuk, Manjapani line being such an elite all three zones line that it's just like, well, why not play everybody to their strengths here? It's not like Dubé yeah, is, see- you know, great in his own zone so i don't know it's just yeah. if, if you're if you're gonna use manji if you're gonna have those line combinations i would just switch dupe and manji pani and i really like the looks of those lines so it just kind of depends on how they're gonna use them i guess yeah so what you're saying basically is manji is such a great two-way player you'd hate to see him be separated from two other great two-way players that makes a great two-way line right in chucky and Lindholm or backland whatever it is but um, i do agree with you with he can elevate right 
Like he could play with those two guys. No problem. It's just, he's so good in his, we've seen him be so good in his own zone. It would just be maybe kind of presumptive to put him with again. It all, it all depends on what you're trying to do here, I guess. And especially being a winger, right? If he was a centerman, it would probably be a different story because he's kind of, you know, the engine on that line as far as how well they are defensively. Cause if, if Monty, you know, if if he kind of stinks in his own end and that is the case, then having Monge play on the wing probably isn't even going to elevate his defensive game that much anyways. Well, and then the other thing is too, that I kind of like um, Dubé with, with those two guys is he does. I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like that, that kind of, that, that's an element they, they haven't really had. They, they've had in the past with a guy who's like physical, like Furland, um, yep. maybe a good shooter like chase on, but they really haven't had somebody who's got all three of those or all both of those aspects in Dubé. It's like Dubé can forecheck. Dubé plays physical. Dubé can fly through the neutral zone. Dubé has got enough skill to play with those guys. It's just, he could be, I think he could fit mesh really well with those two guys. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Interesting to see. I also and like. Seen, oh, sorry. We've, we've also seen. Like, um, we've seen Dubé play in limited ice time with uh, Monahan too, and it looked okay. So. Yeah. Regardless, I think we'll start to see it. So Monday is that the game where they're gonna live stream the? They are gonna scrimmage on Monday. Yeah, and it's gonna okay. be streamed. So if you're listening to this on Monday, then tonight, um, we'll get a live stream. I wouldn't be surprised if they roll with these lines. But then again, this is kind of like your stacked one-sided roster, so they're going to split this into two teams, but still, they probably have these these lines. Yeah, I imagine so. And I mean, I, I kind I, I like honestly like maybe there's some wiggle room like if you're if you're going to go with these, I kind of like this maybe. I'm kind of warming up towards kind of pairing like you're you're going with the with the pairs, you're going with Lindholm Chuck, you're going with Monahan and Gaudreau and this kind yeah, of filtering yeah. out some guys depending on what you're doing, so. Yeah. Maybe it can and work. maybe and maybe hey, Backlund Levo as a third line pairing, dude. If you're third line, I know they had Lucic skating with uh, with Backlund and Levo today, which I didn't really like. Yeah. If you go, if you go like Simone Backlund Levo, I think that's that's a nice looking. That's the best the top nine ha- would look in years. I wonder what Sam uh, Bennett Backlund Levo would do too. Like that'd yeah. be good too. Yeah, totally. Regardless, though, I think I think we might be onto something with if if that's your pairing Backlund Levo. Because hey, we've been saying it for so long. It's not necessarily that Backlund is a you know a for sure third line center. He can play second line center minutes in in, in that role. We've seen him do that. But if Monahan and Backlund are arguably both fringe, then one of them has to be a three C. You can't have two fringe top six guys in your top his top six centers in your in your top six. Totally. And I think the other thing to to note on Backlund too is like. As good as he has been in his career as a flame in his own zone, like he hasn't been that two-way guy. Yeah. The last three, probably maybe even pushed it back to 15, 16, where he's been like a legit two-way force. Like he's really been a lot of offense and not a lot of defense, despite what a lot of people may think. So his defensive game has fallen back as the years have gone on. Maybe if he gets a little a few less minutes, maybe a few less really tough minutes. You give those minutes to Lindholm, maybe you'll squeeze squeeze more juice out of Michael Backlund as well. Yep. And then as far as Dubé goes, I'm not sure if even if he starts on the first line, if he can if he can hold that spot through an entire season. I want to see him up there, but I just don't know if if he has all the tools sharpened quite enough yet to be able to maintain that. Maybe in a couple of years, though. Yeah. No, I agree. I still think he's has some things to work out. Um, there there are probably still some 
parts of his game that are like, okay, you can do that in junior, but you know, you can do that in the AHL, but not in the NHL. Yeah. Um, but I'm just kind of imagining now, like even just the, the combo of Dubé with Chucky, it like, what could they create together? And then you throw Lindholm in the mix. That could be a really awesome line. Oh, I know. Like, and the, the thing is like, he's again, like, if he can put it all together, he's fast. He's he's physical, right? Like, dude, hits. Yeah. Like oh, he was one beast. of the he's, he's one of the most physical flames, like in the playoffs for sure. Yeah. He four checks like crazy. He can he can move the puck through the neutral zone very well. I think um, better better on the left than wing than on the right wing. But I mean, dude could be the whole package and could really bring a lot to a line. Yeah. So the fourth line today was Ryan uh, Bennett and Nordstrom Bennett's. It, it, it sounds like good news. He's just day to day. Doesn't sound serious. Uh, he practiced today and it sounds like they have him projected to start the season on, on time. So, yeah, but th- this is always the case with Sam, right? The guy can never catch a break. I think they wanted to try and give him top six chance to start off the season. And he comes in the training camp injured. Like this is, this is vintage Sam Bennett to a T the guy just was is not destined for success. I'm just, I, I, he's what gone, else do you say? He's gone. He's committed to the full head shave too. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen his headshot yet, but I saw in some of the promo videos they do with like the green screen and shit. He's he's you know he said goodbye to what's left of his <laughs> what's left of his hair that's holding on, and he's gone full full buzz. Yep. So poor Sammy. Eh? Yeah. So we'll see what happens around the the season opener, but dude, like we have pretty good depth throughout the all four lines as far as scoring capacity goes. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think the Levo acquisition, I'm kind of really starting to, I I liked it. I'm liking it even more. Yeah. And the Simone one as well. Um, Yeah. It just gives you that that other option. I think both of those are really good pickups. And and, and, because I was looking at like the team again, we've been harping on it for a while. Like I was just looking at the opening night roster from 2018 and it's like that third line, like the, the third line was so bad with Jankowski and Neil. And yeah. I mean, even your second line, he had for a leak on there. So, I mean, the Ford groups looks a lot better than it did on that opening night. So, yep. And then, so you're right. As of today, your 13th and 14th forwards are Simone and Ronaldo. And I it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm I'm curious to see who cracks the lineup and who doesn't. If this is Nordstrom in over Simone, or is it the other way around? Nordstrom had a nice little goal there. If you saw the highlights in the yeah, he picked the, it on his buddy Markstrom. Yeah. So I don't know. Probably, you know, that's you probably know, Markstrom I, just uh, let him score on him. Eh? So he makes yeah, the team. Totally, exactly. All those Swedes are in on this shit. Yeah. yeah. All right, and then they changed up the D pairings. So your yes. thoughts on this? Because both of us. Um, we're saying that we like Geo and Anderson as a top pairing, given all the options. Um, so the, the pairings today were Geo Anderson, Hannafin with Tenev, and then Vala Mackie Nesterov, Mackie Stone was the final pairing. And Shillington was on the ice, but he, he, um, I, I don't know, didn't have a pairing. I guess he's just kind of getting his reps in now. Yeah. He was in with group B and I know a lot of people were like, Oh, is it punishment? It's like, no, he like literally just got here. He's like, you said, just getting his reps. Punishment. In, so, right. Yeah. You sucked. Cause you haven't even played yet. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, he was just, he was just getting his, like, that was the first time he skated, wasn't it? So like, I'm sure it's not a big deal and it doesn't mean he's not going to make the team, but I do like, 
I, I think these are the pairings, the top four, I, I think you should roll into the opening night with at least um, and try it out because we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion on Tanev today. But I mean, like, I just don't see a Geo Tanev top pairing working out really well. And I, I know we all liked what Hannafin and Anderson did last year, but if Rasmus Anderson's your, arguably your best defenseman or your 1B defenseman, I really think he should be getting top pairing minutes. Yeah, so I, I was glad to see that shift today. Okay, well, let's get into it. That's our focus for today is to focus on the defensemen and notably the newcomers on defense. Uh, we'll go through a little um, focus on Tanev, Nesterov, and Mackey. Uh, but let's start with Tanev. Obviously, he was the biggest you know, defensive signing in the offseason. Um, and I know you kind of have your reservations right to say especially, the least especially for the for the dollar amount that we signed him for yeah um as far as how he compares to hammock hammock and i and i guess look he's supposed to replace brody so you can compare him to brody but then that's just you know no anderson is brody's replacement that looks just black and white but um because they're they're not even close but if you were to compare him to Hamannick, let's do that because I think maybe that's a more fair comparison. Sure. Yeah. And sure, obviously between Anderson and Valimaki, maybe between the two of them throughout the season, that's Brody's real replacement. But yeah, I feel like Tanev is more so replacing Hamannick. Yeah. Listen, like I know everybody, like you've probably listened to the, the, after we did the free agency one, I was just furious that they let Brody go and signed Tanev to this big deal. I don't like the deal is the main part of this. Like I've said, I, I wouldn't have minded if they had brought Chris Tanev in as like an accessory piece on like a two-year deal even. That money is way too much for him. So in if, if you look at him compared to Hamnick, this is where it is kind of interesting because what, what were we told about Hamnick, right? It was like, oh, we're, we're getting a solid stay-at-home defenseman, right? He stays at home. He, he's very good in his own zone. It's like, dude was one of the worst defensive defenseman i've ever seen yep like was he not he was <laughs> he was brutal in his own zone and he he had to play with with hannafin but what we started to see as far as pairings went over the two course of you know the, the three years that we got to see him is that the common denominator with bad pairings wasn't actually hannafin it was hammonick right which was kind of surprising because we were like, oh, they both suck. And then you saw Hannafin separated from Hamnick after he suffered some injuries and they did some stuff. And I was like, whoa, maybe he's not as bad as we thought. And then, you know, sure, sure shit, Hamnick comes back and looks like ass. So, again, I love Travis Hamnick, the guy, but his defensive game sucks. Um, so I, I think if you're comparing those two things, that's the biggest uh, difference in their game is that, okay, Travis Hamannick, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I don't know why this was the narrative, but we were told he was a defense first defenseman. He wasn't. He was actually pretty good in terms of creating offense when he was on the ice. If you look at all his even strength offense numbers, I mean, even he put up some decent points for a guy who was supposedly the stay-at-home, never-score anything kind of guy. Yep. So he, well, told, he liked he liked to join the rush. He liked yeah, to get up. He liked to join. Sure. I don't think he spent too much time below the tops of the circles in the offensive end, but he liked to be active as much as he could. 
Yeah, absolutely. So for, again, I don't know how that got started. I don't know if that was just us being naive. I don't really remember because that was so long ago when we acquired Hamannick. But the, the thing that he was always promised that he was never came to fruition. He was never a good defenseman in his own zone. Chris Tanev has been that, was probably one of the most elite shutdown, like defense only, like deep shutdown, deep defensive. Like that's his role. He's a shutdown guy like a true stay-at-home guy, does nothing in the offensive zone, but is dynamite in his own zone. Chris Tanev, three, four, five years ago, was that. Like, absolute, probably one of the best defensive defensemen in his own zone. Yeah. Really good in his own zone. So, he has been that. He wasn't that last year. That has been my concern, is the last two years, you've seen a pretty massive fall-off from Chris Tanev, specifically the parts of his game that he's known for being really good in the defensive zone um, and being like a reliable top shutdown guy. So in that respect, you can say like, okay, this is an improvement on Hamannick because he brings a different skill set, a skill set that Hamannick never had that definitely we needed that we were told Hamannick has. Right. So like, if you look at his career, like an absolutely formally an effective defensive specialist, who, you know, was so good in his own zone, so playing so many tough minutes against other teams' top lines. But then you look at the last two years, and, I mean, he's been injured so much. And, I mean, part of that is because he plays like a crazy person. He's never played a full season. He blocks every shot. He's like an absolute nut job. Have you seen this guy? Like, he has no teeth left. No teeth, yeah. <laughs> Stitches all over his face. But the I last mean, two years, whether or not it's its ability or age, his defensive play has steadily declined. And last year, he was way below average in terms of his overall impact. So, I mean, Prime Tanev, fuck yeah, sign me up. Very well, impactful defensive skater. But, I mean, now, I don't know. Like, and it, like it's just it, when you look at his, his decline, like marked decline in the last two years, it is worrisome. Well, especially for the dollar amount, like you said. Yeah, and this term too. Yep. Um, so I, I just, like, I don't know. It's a tough one, right? Because it's like, okay, we know what he used to be. And if he was that now, this would be a great pickup. And it would be an excellent replacement, I think, for, for Brody and a huge upgrade on Hamannick in the defensive zone. Yeah. But the question is, can he get back to that level? And it's also interesting, like looking at Geo, right? Because compare the ages. So um, Tanov is 31. And how old is Geo? Just 36. He's 37 now. Yeah. I think he's 37 now. Um, <laughs> he gets a, he gets a freak, right? He's but gotten better with age. It's the just, opposite. Just imagine that we had Tan of three years ago. And exactly. Geo three years ago. As if a top you, pairing. If you had made the, if you had traded for Tanev that year that you traded for Hamnick, that's a hell of a defense. Because even in even in that year, like he he fell off in eighteen nineteen, but even in seventeen eighteen, he was a great. He had some great defensive numbers. Yeah, well, and Geo up and you know he hasn't really shown signs of regression. I would say up until the playoffs, that could have just been a one off thing coming off you know the weirdest year of all time. Yeah. So we'll see we'll see how he looks this season, but you got to expect Geo's game to drop off a bit. Um, so if you have a combination of two guys that are, you know, on the dropping off side of things, you really got to manage their minutes. 
and to have them on the both together in the top pairing, I don't yeah. think gives you the best ability to do that. As much as like we were just referenced, as, as sexy as this pairing looks, if you're looking at what these guys were two, three years ago, um, you got to be really careful with putting them together in the top pairing, just because they they might they might struggle. Well, and then the opposite of that, okay, well, if those two guys are together and they're not the top pairing and you have Hannafin and Anderson as your top pairing, like, I mean, that scares me. We've yeah. seen, we haven't seen enough of Noah Hannafin. <laughs> Noah Hannafin's game <laughs> has not developed in defensively enough to the point where I would trust him anywhere near playing top line hard minutes. And I mean, My- even with, even with Tanev, if you play him on the top pairing, like even ability aside, like he's going to get hurt yeah. so quickly. I talked to um, one of our family friends on the phone yesterday and, and he's a Vancouver Canucks fan and lives in Vancouver. And, you know, he, we were talking about some of the, the off season acquisitions. Cause he was asking me about Hamannick. So he, he said, yeah, well, Tanev, you're going to get a guy that, you know, he's a freak. He's a warrior. He'll literally block shots with his face if he has to. Um, but on the other side of that, he's always injured because he just plays just the hardest, you know, level of hockey that you can. Well, that was Hamannick too, right? Even though he wasn't very good yeah. in his own zone, like dude got broke his jaw in like game one of the season <laughs> in a fight. Remember, standing up for Dubé. Yeah, and I mean, he was he was always hurt. So same kind of deal there. So, and I mean, again, he's older. Like he's 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 thirty one, which isn't old, but that's a hard because because if you look at a lot of the aging curves, like the one thing that that doesn't really fall off as steeply is the defensive impact. Yeah um for defensemen specifically like their offensive game has been known to really drop off a cliff at the age of like 30 yeah even even 29 but defensive impact has, st- has been able to stay relatively stable over like this was done over like a 10 12 year period um but i mean he's played that's a hard he's played how many years like 10 years a hard nine or ten years in the league like yep. hard top pairing minutes he doesn't <laughs> like you said he's blocking shots with his face he's <laughs> like playing against the top, like on a Vancouver team who is not good defensively and hasn't been for a while. Like this dude's been a warrior for a long time and I can't imagine he's got a ton left in the tank. Yeah. I'm actually predicting that within 20 games of the regular season, we'll see Valimaki slip into the top four. That would be ideal, right? Yeah. So let's get to know Chris Tanev a bit. Usually when we do a little bit of a player profile, we'll pull up Wikipedia, get into some fun facts. I know you love those. You and your fun facts. Hey, you got any depressing <laughs> fun <laughs> the, facts? It's funny because the only fun facts that I've had are like last not year. fun at all. It's like, oh yeah, Hamannick's dad died when he was 10 and blah, blah, blah. Literally, you're like, hey, let's get into some fun facts. And so Lucci Chaz- a personal tragedy. <laughs> Lucci has a... What is it? Some sort of illness. I'm like mortified by the end of your fun facts. <laughs> All right. So we, there's nothing more of it. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Tanev, he was undrafted. He's undrafted. What I found, guys. what I found interesting is he actually, he never played tier one junior. So he played junior a in Quebec or no, in Ontario. He's Ontario. Yeah. Ontario. And then basically the, the Canucks were scouting him. Because he he went from junior A up into college, was it which is the other route you go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in his first year in college, he just progressed like big time. I guess his last lead year of uh, last year of junior, he was um, the best player on the team. And then 
um, his first year in, in college under Rochester Institute of Technology. That's when um, he really started to turn it up. He was named as the Atlantic Hockey Rookie of the Year, so it's probably for that division. And then receiving all tournament and third team All Star honors. So he was he just started to come onto the scene. Vancouver was scouting him. There was other teams that were interested with him in, in him as well, but he actually signed with with Vancouver and started his career kind of going in and out of the AHL. But then again, he, I think in his where is it in his rookie year? Yeah, he played. Was it 2010? He, he or was he in the A that year? No, he he played with Vancouver in 2010. I remember him watching him in the Stanley Cup final. Even I think he played. So that's the year yeah. they made the finals. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he played in the Stanley in the in the playoffs both times. Because yeah. that was like one of the best Canucks team, probably one of the best teams of all time. Yeah, got beat by the Bruins. So, like you were saying, he's touted for his defensive uh, abilities and what I. As, as far as, you know, doing a little bit of research and reading about this, what excites me about that is everybody um, links his, his defensive abilities as, as an awesome defenseman to his hockey sense yeah. and his puck moving abilities. Now, as you age, your hockey sense declines a lot slower than everything else, right? Your mind is still sharp. It's usually your body and probably some of the puck moving ability declines a little bit. So, if, if that is the case, I'm maybe not as concerned about his age as maybe I might, if it was a guy like Noah Hannafin, <laughs> a guy that lacks hockey sense, in my opinion. So, um, and then it, it's interesting. They say he's not, he's a non-aggressive um, player. So he probably doesn't take a lot of risks um, defensively. That's probably why he just elects to block shots all the time. So it's not like, I don't think he's getting, injured from from many hits as as much as it is from blocking shots most likely well yeah i think like uh, i was just like thinking of lucic um because that's kind of the thing we've noticed right is like he still has an effective hockey mind and can make good plays it's just like his body you know his, his the boot the old boots don't work work as yeah. well so i think i don't i don't want to compare him to lucci's because he's definitely not um, well i you know, honestly like though that, that's slow but that that's probably a good comparison though if you look at lucci's age and what he used to be able to do the what he yeah. can do now it's like i think kent wilson said the best like his mind is there but his feet aren't yeah exactly it's like you can see what he wants to be able to do and he just can't do it yeah um so i i the the thing that I think works in Tanev's favor though is like you said, like he's he's not gonna be relied upon as a forward would be to be like rushing up the ice, right? It's like his strength still and hopefully will they'll carry over is like moving the puck out of the zone, getting it out of the zone. Yeah. And like controlling the puck in the defensive zone and moving it up the ice. So hopefully hopefully that's something he can do. And like you said, like the body checking thing is interesting because I've been watching some some of his highlights and some of his games. He's not super physical at all. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Um like but, yeah, like but not he's at a all. Warrior though. Yeah, like he's not out hammering guys like you'd expect. Like that's kind of what I was expecting, but it doesn't sound like that. Um, just a just a elite shot blocker. Yeah, for sure. And it, like I I think the other thing that I, like you were saying what his his puck control his transition game is, is surprisingly good in terms of like moving the puck out of the d zone well there's the hockey sense for you though yeah like really good a lot of his i was just looking at some of his micro stats exits and puck control in in the defensive zone 
Yeah. Really a lot better than I would have thought. And here's your fun fact to tie that in a bow. Okay. Um, game five of the 2011 Stanley Cup finals, teammate Kevin Bieksa highlighted his calm on ice demeter. So this is always a, a thing that you see in, in, you know, playoff games and high pressure games, late in games, do people kind of panic and they, they, they act too fast or do they have patience even like in the most high pressure situations? It sounds like he's more so of the latter. Um, so BX commenting on his on ice demeanor said that he quote, he could have played with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, is that just cause he, I, he probably had a lot more teeth back then, I guess. Well, he's just calm, cool, and collective, man. He's yeah. just like, so I think, I don't know, given given our kind of analysis and what we're, we're reading into here in terms of the player we're going to get, maybe he might pair the best with Anderson, to be honest. So what does that look like for me? That looks like Valimaki Gio as your top pairing maybe later in the season, and then your second pairing might be Tanov and, and Anderson. The only reason I would say is just because he is a right-hand shot. And I know the flames have made like a huge deal about like lefty, lefty, righty. Um, I don't Has it, he ever played the left side? I don't know. I think they've all played both at some, some point or another. So that's the only thing I would say about pairing him with Anderson, but I mean, Anderson and Tanev on the same, those are some, those would be some deep shutdown minutes. Like that you couldn't get a shot on net against those two guys in their peaks. So now that might not be good for Anderson's offensive progression, which we'd like to see, but um, you're probably, he's probably going to progress a little more playing with a player like geo, but I don't know if I'm just looking at Tanev as a player, as a whole, and what we have back there um, may, or maybe it's Valimaki. Yeah. Maybe he plays with Valimaki, younger guy. Either way. I'm seeing Noah Hannafin slotting down eventually. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious. I think I I really want to watch him play because yeah. fuck we've been talking about this for like it seems forever we've had five no days hockey jeez Louise. actually four days I'm four so days. sick of being like well oh, let's look at the numbers it's like I just want to fucking watch these guys play so bad but I think we will see right like and it kind of in one sense it well not in one sense in a major sense it scares the living shit out of me when you have so many uh, contingencies it's like okay well. Geo can't fall off a cliff. Tanev better stay healthy slash get his shit together again. Hannafin needs to take a step. Anderson needs to take a step. Valimaki needs to take a step. Shillington and Ornestrov need to be better. So in that sense, it's like, oh man, that's a lot of ifs, right? Well, then, especially, for, especially for a team that struggled so much defensively that apparently is a defensive oriented team. Exactly. So, but on the flip side of that, it's like, okay, I am... I am interested because there is some room for, because I, I mean, we've complained about it in the Ford ranks. It's like these guys can never develop because there's all these old guys taking all their spots. It's like, I think we'll know pretty quickly. I don't know. We, we might know like if Tanev comes out and he's struggling the first 10 games, maybe there's some movement there, but I just want to get my eyes on this guy. I want to see if he's as terrible as I I'm hoping. Like I I've been watching some of the Canucks uh, playoff footage and it's like, man, he was rough. Like God love him for like playing hard, but like the dude got smoked in those playoff series. Like, and Quinn Hughes too. Like, those guys were really rough. Jacob Markstrom was that against the Avs? That was against Vegas. Vegas, yeah. 
like they got they got rolled. That's the that's what I meant. Like they got rolled. Like Markstrom. Well, and it is it is Markstrom Vegas. and Demko were insane. It is Vegas though, man. They but slice they, and dice all defensemen. Yeah. Doesn't matter who. So but. I'm I'm very nervous, but I'm also very curious. I think in a perfect world, again, he's making four and a half million dollars. So this is never going to be a perfect world. But I think, like you said, in a perfect world, Valimaki moves into top four. And like honestly, my dream is to see a pairing of Valimaki and Rasmus. If you could roll your top four as Valimaki, Ras. Geo Tanev, Shillington, Hannafin. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be like sweet. That. So I think there's two that the two players who instantly will probably be playing together, Hannafin and Tanev, they can probably both drop down depending on how they play. Like I, I I'm kind of changing my tune on Noah Hannafin a little bit. Not really, I'm changing my tune, but it's like I'm crossing my fingers and I was like, okay, this guy needs to get a shit. You're, build, you're building him up, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying just, this positive just so he can once. let you down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm trying this positive approach for once so when it goes horribly awry i can tell everybody to fuck off and say see i was right in the first place then now i will, never have to be positive again then you will triple down exactly um all right so uh let's move to nesterov and let's see if we have anything else you want to say on on uh well yeah i just think like i still think signing him at this age at this point in his career is a mistake um at that money Again, I have no problem with bringing him in as an accessory piece. I don't like having him here when he's so injury prone. And it's not like he's was just bad last year. Like he went from being really good between like 50. I mean, even going back further from like 11 back when he first entered the league, like really good. Probably his best season was 17, 18 to dropping off a cliff. That's not a good sign for somebody who like turns 30 and falls off an absolute cliff. Um, so I'm I'm hoping he can be serviceful, but I, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. What do you think his true value is compared to his book value now? Like, I mean, even if – and it's not even the dollar, I think, right? It's the total, like the four years. Like, if you'd send him to four and a half per at two years, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, like, I mean, in terms of what he's – like, he's probably a two like, – I think two to three million would be a decent range. Yeah, like a, a three, like even like a three point two, if you want. Yeah, to. like something similar to what Hamannick was making before. But it's just like again, like and we went on and on about this in the UFA episode. It's like all the all the deals, like all these bargain deals. <laughs> yeah, you guys are getting cheap ass money, and we give Tanev a king's ransom. So I don't know. I'm willing to give him a chance. I'm just pretty wary. If they started him on the top pairing with Geo, I'd be pretty freaked out. Well, that's still not out of the question because he's been with Geo for the most of camp so far. But they, yeah, they him might... and Geo, him and Geo are buddies, training buddies too. So maybe Geo's showing him his secret sauce or some shit. Yeah, maybe eh? he's going to revitalize his career. Watch this, Tana yeah. is going to win the the Norris. <laughs> I would okay, love let's... nothing more. Let's go to Nikita Nestorov. It's probably Nestorov, eh? Nestorov. Well, the Nestorov. way I pronounce Russian names, maybe. So we have a Russian. I know as of just out of the blue, you start loving Russians now. You're a Russian lover now. I'm loving this. Like the draft, they got, uh, who did they draft? Nikhailev yeah. and Jan Kuznetsov, Chechilev. I'm, I'm loving this Russian this Russian thing. The the thing with Nestrov though, it's like, I don't know. Like I, I've been talking to some people who watch the KHL and they're like, oh, you're sleeping on Nestrov. It's like, I've, we've, we've kind of seen this song and dance before, right? Where the flame signed somebody like, I think the most famous one is like Roman Trevenka. I remember that one. Yeah. 
it was like, oh, he's the best player, not out, not in the NHL. He's so good, and it's like he gets here and he sucks ass. So that's the only reason I'm a little wary on Nestorov because it's like I don't watch the KHL. I don't know. All right, let's do a little bit of back backstory on Nestorov so people are aware because this is a kind of a guy that flies under the radar, obviously. Yeah. Um, so he was drafted in both the NHL and the KHL. Drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning, round five, 148th overall in 2011. So, but he decided that he was going to go to the K first. Was there for two seasons, and then that's when he signed with Tampa Bay and spent two seasons with Tampa Bay. His first season, he was in and out of uh, the A. So he played 27 games his first season with Tampa and then 57 a second. He's not an offensive guy. He's not touted as an offense, uh, offensive guy. He's strictly defense. Um, I don't know if you know much more about his game other than he's probably a de- defense first type guy. Well, it's interesting because all I can go off is the NHL numbers. Yeah, really, because like there's like no numbers in the KHL really that I can find in terms of underlying. So he did actually see some decent offensive results in Tampa Bay. Um, Even strength. He didn't play much in the power play, but um, I mean, his first year, like 14, 15, where what did he play? He barely played any games. 27. Yeah, he he actually had some decent on ice results. And by decent, I mean, like barely above replacement. (laughs) Yeah, as far as counting stats, two goals, five assists. Yeah. It's not so, bad. Like, like first first season in the NHL. He was okay. Um, really the, the most notable thing that I that I kind of saw from him was a decent presence on the power play. Okay. Um, so like he could maybe he's not be like in a he's, pinch. I doubt you're gonna see him on this team on the power play, though. Yeah, no chance. But like, like that's yeah. that's really the only metric that stood out for me um in his time in the NHL is like okay, he 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 scored a few goals and he was maybe okay on the power play. So that first year with Tampa, he um, played 17 playoff games. So he's got some playoff experience, nine playoff games the next season with Tampa. Um, So his third season with Tampa, he was traded probably at the deadline. I'm assuming. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah. It looks like it to the Canadians. And I'm sure he was going to be a UFA at that point. Um, or RFA, one or the other, but he did not resign with the Canadians. He went back to the KHL, and that's where he spent his last three seasons. So, like you said, we're we've done this before, and look, I don't I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um, but regardless, it sounds like he's going to be on the team opening lineup just due to Shillington being out. So we're going to get to see get a good look at him right away. And so right now they got him paired with who is it? Uh, they had him paired with Val Mackey. No, yeah, yeah, Val Mackey. You said going to carry him. Yeah, but well, I mean, like, I'm I'm willing to give it a chance. Like, some some of our followers on Instagram watch the KHL more closely than I do, and they I posted some stuff, and I was like, I don't know if I'm really expecting much. And they were like, No, he's been pretty good over in the KHL. Um, I like. The thing is, you can never compare an apple to an orange, dude. So yeah, and I mean, even you can plug in like there's translation metrics and stuff, but like honestly, like I I haven't watched the KHL, so I can't give you my honest, like fully formed opinion on what Nikita Nestrov is going to do for this team. Um, but I mean, as a seventh guy, I don't I don't mind it, right? Like he comes from Tampa Bay. Like if Stevie Y drafted him, yeah. I <laughs> well, I mean, just that, look that's at en- that's enough for me, right? I mean, look at his resume. It's not staggering, but he's got a lot of 
hockey experience and he's played in the NHL quite a bit and he played for Tampa. He's been through that organization. So, you know, a team wanted him at the deadline. So, well, and I believe he was captain of his team um, <clears throat> in, uh, is it CSKA Moscow? I believe he's captain. Yeah. Um, I he mean, is. like he's put up some decent numbers, right? Like eh, 23 points in 53 games. I don't have any access to any KHL underlying numbers, but you know, like I, I'm why fine not? with like, it, right? Yeah, like, why not? why not? It's better than just it's, signing some. I, I like. Let me say this: I will take this. A guy who has some skill, who is younger than signing a guy who's like big and always oh, gonna just he's gonna be gritty and can you know? Yeah. I'll take this ten times out of ten over what usually you see with depth design, depth de- defenseman signings. Was just like another big guy who can't skate who can't move the puck i'll take a mobile puck moving defenseman with some off with a little bit of offensive upside um who comes from a place like tampa bay 10 times out of 10 over somebody like michael stone or it's like oh he's big he's experienced blah 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 blah, that bullshit yeah and it's not like he's coming into you know fill a massive hole in the in the top four top two pairings so he's gonna play you know third pairing he might even be your seventh d man from time to time i'm sure it'll be a battle between him and shillington um and then you gotta expect we're gonna have some injuries on the back end so you'll see them both at, at some point hopefully we don't go through what we did last season and have two defensemen go down and michael stone just comes back into the lineup like a, but I, we're going to see Michael Stone. I'm never wrong. Every single time I go out and say it's not over yet, it just never ends. So he will be in the lineup. Mark my Dude, words. Dude, like, why do you have to say that? Like, yeah, why? It's just being a realist. Well, know, like, maybe we won't. Maybe they'll just sign him to a minor league deal and we won't see him. Look, after finding that love letter in the dressing room, it's pretty obvious we're going to see pr- him. That's pretty damning evidence, I have to admit. <laughs> I'm trying to find this goddamn message this guy on Instagram sent me about Nesterov. He was just giving me a, a good breakdown, but I can't find it. Um, All right. Anything else on Nesterov, or can we move to Connor Mackey? The only thing I'll say about Nesterov is that I love the number 89. I know Alan Quine wore it last year. Um, and I kind of wish they'd signed Alan Quine. He's in the, with the Oilers now, but 89, like Damn. the fact that nobody wears 89 on the flames, like very often, like that's a sexy ass number. How about 98? Did you hear about that debacle oh, in Edmonton? Jesus Christ. Was that uh math? Who was that? Maths? That was Bob. Was it Stoffer? I think it was no. Bob Stoffer or Jim math, Jim Matheson. Yeah, it was Matheson. Holy shit. If you haven't heard the story, I guess <laughs> Jesse Pugliarvi's back in town, right? Yeah, he wants to wear number eight ninety eight, but that's not allowed. No, because it's next. It's one number next to Gretzky, so you can't wear either one of the numbers. You can't wear ninety nine or ninety eight. Why don't they just ban numbers? Like no numbers. Like it doesn't make any sense. So he got rightably so attacked pretty hardcore on Twitter. He was crying about it, being dude. The that's attack. the most Edmonton shit ever. That's the most boomer Edmonton reporter shit of all time. Like who would ever want to play in Edmonton? Like I know we have friends. Oh, did you hear what Francis asked Dubé today or yesterday? What? No, I didn't hear it. It's so stupid. It's the and you I'll send it to you later. Um and somebody on Instagram posted it and shared it with me. Um he like Dubé is doing his press availability and Francis is going on for like 20 minutes about is do he the, he asked Dubé if he like he's like Oh, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be selecting you in fantasy hockey this year. Um, how do you feel about that? Are you, does that make you nervous about your expectations? 
And Dubé is just like, you can see him just like be like, what the fuck is this guy asking me? It was just an absolute. <laughs> what is he talking about? Fantasy hockey. Gum on a shoe. Gum on a shoe. Those tough questions, you know. All right, let's go to Connor Mackey. So now, obviously, out of the three pickups, this is the most intriguing. I'll preface with this. Um, this offseason, he was the the. All right, well, let me back up a bit, and we'll get to this offseason. So the backstory on Connor Mackey, he's a U.S. He's U.S. born, right? He's been playing in the U.S. development system. Yeah, he's USHL. been in the NCAA and stuff, yeah. I went to NCAA. Um, the interesting side note on Mackey is prior to um, beginning his college career in 2017, he actually attended the Calgary Flames Summer Prospect Development Camp. Yeah, that's what's interesting. When you read up about it, the Flames have kind of been trying to woo this guy for a while. They've had their eye on him. Yeah. So, and then he had a great first season in college, um, made the all-star rookie team. And then then he went to Buffalo the next season. Buffalo? To their, de- to their develop, development camp, but didn't sign. Um, and then he was, again, he was an all-star team the next year in college. And then let's see, he, so he led his team last year in 24 points in 36 games on route to being named again to the all-star team, first all-star team. So he, he's had a lot of success at the college gate level. Most notably though, I think is um, his performance last year led Frank Cerevelli, TSN Insider. Oh, old Frankie boy. To name him as the top-ranked college free agent defenseman on the market. So the fact that the Flames were able to lure him to Calgary um, is interesting. It's intriguing. I think people are intrigued by it. I don't – is it safe to call him a prospect? What What is Connor Mackey? This is – it's not as rare as a Derek Ryan going through the University of Alberta – but it's, you know, for a guy that comes from the U.S. system, we don't see him in junior here. Um, and then coming out of college, it, how is he going to fare at the NHL level, even the AHL level? We're going to see him play in the AHL this this season, would be my guess. Um, but, like, what do you make of this? Well, it's hard to make anything of it really concrete, right, when he has never played in the NHL. He's never played pro. Um like I've, I've I've never watched him play in the NCAA until I'd watched some highlights after the Flames signed him. Um, so it's hard to know what to make. It's it's always hard when these college free agent guys, right? Because like, do you remember like how many of these guys have the Flames signed? It's like ooh, they got Spencer Fu. Like, remember that? Yeah. Well, he's, he's most sought after free agent. I was like, well, which did you see his goal he scored the other day? Ooh, Spencer Fu. Yeah, he scored an absolute beauty. I'll send it to you after this. Um, like it's it's always hard to know, right? Yeah, and it, it's always well, going to be like that with guys that are on unknown yeah. quantity. So it's hard to be like. I think people get probably too caught up in the like, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best free agent. He's. It's like I was talking about with Trevenka. It's like the best player is not in the NHL. It's like, well, you know, like until they play in the NHL, we 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 don't know, right? So like, yeah. I think it's it's. I I'm excited, and I'm not telling people not to be excited, but it's really hard to know until you've seen him play pro like at all. Yeah. Um, and that's why people are like, oh, is Mackie going to be on the team? I was like, I don't know. He's literally never played a pro game in his life. It's I, I don't know. Like, maybe. Yeah. This isn't, you know, playing, playing college, 
comparing college to NHL level, it's not even apples to oranges. It's, you know, it's a whole, it's a vegetable. It's not even, it's not even in the fruit family. So, <laughs> and I mean, you know, you know, you look at the world juniors that we just watched and the, the amount of prospects in that tournament is mind boggling. That's why it's so exciting to watch, but a lot of those guys won't even have an NHL career, even though, you know, 85% of them are drafted to NHL teams. So you just never know when you hit right. the call level, you mature to a certain age. Can you put it all together? Do you have, is it destiny? Like look at Matt Stajan coming into the league. We had just had him on, you know, everything was clicking into place. And then he ends up in Calgary under Brett Sutter, demoted the fourth line. And just, you know, some guys, it just, everything goes right. Yeah. We had Chris Fristig on first year in the league. He's winning Stanley Cups. So, I mean, it's just kind of like it's all timing for a lot of these situations. Um, obviously, skill is first and foremost, but there's a big timing factor to it. So, we'll see. I yeah, mean, and I- it's like, remember, like, was it Danny DeKaiser? Like, I remember he was the big – this was a long time ago. I'm dating myself. This was like in uh, like 10, maybe even 10 years ago. Back in my day. Yeah, seriously. It's like, oh, Dan DeKaiser. It's like Danny DeKaiser, Danny DeKaiser, Danny DeKaiser. Oh, he's the best college player. He's the best college player. Oh, somebody can get him. Like they're gonna be they're gonna be set. And it's like Detroit got him and it was like this big deal. And it's like he's played in the league, but he like only really had like one good year, right? So it's oh, like fact, it's yeah, hard fact, to say. The fact that I'm when you say that, I'm like, okay, I recognize the name, but who the hell is he? Exactly, right? So yeah. So like in terms of what Mackie could be like I, I I think the Flames definitely think he could be a player. Otherwise, they wouldn't go through this whole rigmarole of the past few years, you know, trying to woo him to come to their team, right? Like, yeah. Um, and the Flames have always kind of USA Hockey has been a well they've kind of gone to. They have some scouts out there, so and I they've they, done it. They've done it well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do think that they think, and they would know better than we are, seeing as they're paid to do this. Um, they think that Mackie can play in the NHL. Um, and I mean, it, we'll have to see him play in the pro league before we can, before we can make that assumption. But I think like he's, he, he seems like he could be a decent bottom pairing middle guy. You know, he's a big guy who can skate. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Hey, well, Geo said he's close to being an NHL or so. I mean, if, if that's not just Geo being a nice guy, which it probably just is. <laughs> Then you know Mark, he, just, he doesn't even know who he's talking about. It's like, oh, I thought you were talking about the other guy. No, like it doesn't matter who he's talking about. Yeah. He's gonna, he's, he's gonna say, really good. He's gonna <laughs> really good. So I don't think the intention on Brad Tree Living and Co. is that Mackie plays NHL games this season, unless we're in a super pinch. Like Stone's probably gonna slot above him anyways. Ugh. But you know, if there's a situation where hey, we're out of the playoffs with 10 games left, we already know, then you might see Mackie come in. Um, but I think as far as development strategy for, you know, the organization, they want to see him play in the A this year. Yeah. He's only on a one-year contract. So he's on a nine twenty-five, and then he's restricted free agent after the season. Well, and the other so, thing is too, like everyone's like, Oh, we'll probably see him. It's like, he, he doesn't have to clear waivers. So right. I, he's one of the definite guys who's easily a guy you can send down. No problem. Right. So or, there's that or, factor too. Where Shillington and Nestorov yeah. do. Shillington have to clear waivers and Nestorov. So those so, guys will be taxi squad. You're going to see them above Mackey pretty much all season. Yeah. So I think like with a guy like that, sure, there's probably talent there. There's probably a lot of raw talent there. 
He'll probably but curb be... your enthusiasm. <laughs> exactly. And again, we need to see him play pro. Like I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't really know any 24 year old guys who have been undrafted signed in the NHL and then come into the NHL without playing in the AHL first. Like it's definitely yeah. me taking a stab at something, but it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like something that happens too often unless it's like a very exceptional situation. So I, like you said, the flames are probably going to want to see him play pro before he gets NHL minutes, unless he just like his lights out and they have tons of injuries. Yeah. Um, but he'll, he'll probably be in the A I'm sure. Or in the taxi squad to start. Where do you, th- we're like looking at now as f- we've gone through a little bit of our, de- we focused a bit on defense. We got, we got, we, we've covered the newcomers as far as comparing this defensive core to the rest of the division, where do we sit? I mean, there's not really a really strong defensive core on any team necessarily, uh, maybe outside of Toronto, but where do do you see us sitting in the division? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is like the North division has probably the weakest (laughs) defense cores of all the divisions, right? There's a lot of star set of power up front and in net. Yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of scoring and a lot of difficult nights for goaltenders. Like, can you imagine McDavid and Matthews going ahead to get in the Winnipeg Jets? Like, geez, Louise. So, like, I think the Flames. Like, I think Toronto is probably number one. I mean, there maybe could be an argument that you know Montreal like maybe has a slight edge because I do think Shea Weber is still really good and Jeff Petrie is really underrated. Um, Black. Kulak too. They got some younger guys there. Trots, all right. Mede can probably play. So I would probably, if I'm if I'm handicap it, like I think the Flames are definitely in the top tier. Like their defense is better than Edmonton's. It's better than Winnipeg's. We don't even have to include Ottawa in this discussion. And I mean, Vancouver is a total mess back there too. So I think it's really between. I, th- I think there's a there's a there's a t- top tier that includes Toronto, Calgary, and Montreal. And then it's pretty much everybody else. Okay. So I, it's it's stronger than than it's definitely an advantage over the Oilers and the Jets, but it's probably in the similar range as the as the Canadians. And then I think the Leafs D is better. Do you agree with that assessment? That yeah, sounds about right. It's just like when you when you look at again, if you look at it on paper, like the Leafs, like their defense is way better <laughs> on paper. Um, we'll see how that works out. Um, I do think the Flames still like who who's the best defenseman? Like who has the best single defenseman in the entire North Division? I think you could maybe make an argument that Geo is still pretty high on that list. Top three for sure. Oh, top three for sure. Like, what, like, it, what, like, what could that? you not argue that he's still not he's not number one? Yeah, you could. Who who else is the best? Who? Who yet, I'd say probably between him and Jeff Petrie and like obviously Quinn Hughes, but Quinn Hughes hasn't, is still really young. Um, Where, what about Schmidt? I like Schmidt, but he's probably, yeah, he's he's probably working his way up there, but I still think he's he's definitely below Geo. Yeah. Um, we might get, just, we, we just might see, you know, guys go to another level this season. Yeah, totally. Like even Erasmus and stuff. But I mean, if you had to say who has the best defenseman on their team in the North Division, like I still think it is Mark Giordano. I still think he is the most effective defenseman. Well, and then like you look at Anderson and Valimaki, like those are no slouches. If Tanev can resemble anything, if Hannafin can step it up, 
if Shillington is a is a sticks in their step, like there, an argument could be like, well, it'll have to see how it plays out. I think you're right. We're in the top three, um, but nothing's set in stone in, the, in that top three. Yeah, like I'd obviously I'd rather have Quinn Hughes than Giordano right now. But I mean, if you're talking about who's going to be better this year, like if Mark Giordano continues to be Mark Giordano, I think the Flames have are in the conversation with Toronto for the best decor because like. Gio is still like, again, like for all the talk about he, he had a rough playoff, like the dude was still so good last year. And I mean, you, I don't see Anderson taking a step back. He was awesome last year. Like he was probably, he, he's the, only going to get better. He's only going to get better. I mean, you cross your fingers and hope Hannafin's going to get better. But I mean, I think an argument can be made the flames. If it's Gio and Anderson as the top pairing, that's the best top pairing. I think when I cross my fingers with regards to Hannafin, <laughs> I just hope he doesn't get any worse. <laughs> that's a good point. So, now but, Sh- it, but Schmidt and Schmidt and Quinn Hughes are going to be a really dynamite pairing. Yeah, especially in the power play, man, it's going to be yeah, deadly. Yeah. So, but now if you factor in, you know, the the goaltender into it because that's their last line of defense, right? If you factor in the goaltending, and they're, you know, maybe the the this all Canadian division has the best goaltending in the league. I don't know. I haven't really compared it to the other divisions, um, but there's some pretty good goalies in this division. If you throw Markstrom into the equation as your sixth player, your third defenseman back there, um, does that change anything for you? Are we still, if you add him in as part of the defensive team, are we still maybe around third or does that bump us up at all? No, I, I still think you're in that group with, with Montreal and Toronto. Um, because, Again, Winnipeg has Hellebuck, but their defense is terrible. The Oilers' <laughs> defense is terrible. Mike, hey, man, they got Mike Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Smith. I think Hoskinen's okay, but they've shown a propensity to play Smith. So they're out. Ottawa's out, obviously. I think they learned their lesson, man. We're not going to see much Michael Smith this oh, year, dude, unfortunately. Who knows? But um, they, they have the most back-to-back games. Did you see that? The Oilers? Yeah. They oh, have the most. They have tied for the most back-to-back games. In the well, league, I was so. just looking at the evolving hockey projections for the season. They have the Oilers finishing second last in the North Division. Is that the one where they have um, – the was it Montreal finishing first? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my hot take, but we'll see. We'll see I, I, the more I think about that hot take, the more I like it. Yeah, that's a good hot take. That's a good that, hot take. That or the Oilers, that's my hot take, but I'm going yeah, Montreal first. I like it. Um, right. But I mean, yeah, it's probably like I because again, Freddie Anderson is still really good. It's it's probably and again, if Carey Price, like remember Woodley was talking about how good he thinks Price is going to be this year. Um, yeah. So I still think it's like those two three teams are the best defensive teams because it's like the other the other <laughs> Winnipeg again, great goalie, terrible defense. Edmonton, yeah. not great goaltending, terrible defense. So it's it's not a high hard bar to be set but between those three teams um you, you know what like I, I probably would give the flames like a slight edge if you're including markstrom just because anderson had a rough year last year for the leafs okay okay well let's let's finish things off with this rank your your calgary flames defenseman from one to eight i, I don't want to see stone on that list around number nine so one to eight go remember when we said this was going to be half an hour today it's like an hour um okay one to eight geo still for me is number one me too. Geo Rasmus, number two. Um, I it's just based on right now, it's Hannafin three. 
Four's, mm-hmm. Va- four's Valimaki. Five's Tanev. Six is Shillington. Seven is Nestrov. Eight is Mackey. Okay. Now, it's interesting because with you and me, this is very similar, but there's some discrepancies for sure. I think the biggest difference is how the light that you view Hannafin and Tanev and the light that I view Hannafin and Tanev, I still think, at least going into the season, Tanevin's or Tanevin, Tanev is the better defenseman. Just, just from what I've seen from Hannah oh Hannafin, I, he has not. I, I'm not in an optimistic place with you yet. Um, he's gonna have to prove that. Dude, I'm so, doing this to cope. All right. Okay, well, I like it, but I'm gonna go with Go One. Drum roll, number two, Valimaki. You, well, you love Valley. Anderson three, Tanev four, Hannafin five, Shillington six, Nesterov seven, Mackey eight. I, I, I got to admire your, your foresight. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. There's the focus on our defense. Um, it, it, look, we're, in, we're, it's funny. Hey, when we picked up, you know, Travis Hanimick, uh, Travis Hamannick and we were, Oh, there's a top, top defenseman, in the top yeah. defensive <sighs> team in the league. And, you know, Hamannick kind of was a bit of a dud as far as living up to his expectations. But um by no means are we a defensive juggernaut if you're looking at the defenseman, but if these guys do take steps and I mean, obviously we're not expecting a geo to take a step, but if he can, you know, curb his regression as well as Tanev and, you know, give us another one or two years of the hockey that they can play. And all these other guys take big leaps, Valimaki, Hannafin, Shillington and Anderson, then, Hey, in two, three years, Maybe even two years, it might be a different story. Yeah, Valimaki is the X factor in all this. I think. Yeah. Like if he if he is not even if he's lights out, if he's good, then you're fine. Yeah, I agree. So there's your defensive uh, focus for the day, and then we'll see how training camp continues to roll. There's they got a game Monday. I'm not sure if they play more games. I believe that's uh, it. That's the last one before the home opener. Pretty sure. So things are rounding out here, um, but we'll talk to you before the home opener. Congratulations, you're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and benders there.